0: Welcome to A Reason for Hope with Don Patterson. Throughout his life, Abraham had a unique, close relationship with God. God spoke to Abraham one-on-one, and He gave him explicit direction and promises. And through the many trials and episodes of his life, Abraham learned to trust God, even when the mainstay promise of a son took decades to fulfill. When we look at Abraham's life, we learn the characteristic that God values most in our relationship with him, and we learn how to make the most of our lives. If possible, turn to Genesis chapter 22 and join us for this important lesson which shines a light on the relationship God wants with us. Dear ones in Christ Jesus, who are... Precious in the eyes of your Lord who made you and who saved you. Grace and peace. Today, very simply put, I want to talk to you about your relationship with God. To do that, I want to tell you about this Abraham who had a beautiful relationship with God. It was so unique. Really, you could say different than any other person that's ever lived. When you look at the life of Abraham and you look at how God treated him and how he treated God, we learn. We learn about our relationship with God and we learn what God wants more than anything else from you, from me. We learn also how to make the most of our lives. We've got to make sure that we're all really understanding the basics about the life of Abraham. He first appears at the end of chapter 11 of Genesis in the first book of the Bible. Now, Moses wrote Genesis about 700 years after Abraham lived. Moses was led by God to write the first five books of the Bible. So Moses is the historian inspired by God to write about the father of the Israelites, a man who lived in Ur over in Iraq, that God chose and told him and his family to move. And they moved up to a place north and west, Haran. He got to be with his dad, Terah. Had his wife, Sarah, his nephew, Lot, servants, slaves, some animals. And they lived there for a while in Haran. And then God said to Abraham, I'm separating you out from Terah. You can take your wife and Lot and some servants and animals, and I want you to start heading south and west And I'll show you every day that I want you to find a new place. I'll show you the place to go. See how unique that is that God would do that? So Abraham's being separated from his plans, his family. And God's taking away from him his choices, his opinion about where he'll live. And he says, I want you to just live your life one day at a time, step by step with me. But when God said that. He said to Abraham something that would make Abraham's heart very happy. He said, I'm going to give you an offspring, and from that offspring will come a great nation. And I'm going to make your name great, and I'm going to bless you. Well, Abraham was 75 when all this happened. His wife was 65. It says in the Bible they were past the childbearing years. Abraham's thinking, my life is finally starting to make sense. The God who's had us barren and without children and sort of wandering already up to this point, He's leading us to wander further, but now He's come through with some promises. And now we're going to have an offspring. Our ship has come in. This is what's so unique about the way God treated Abraham, though. That was just the beginning of a long 25 years of waiting for the son. 25 more years. That's crazy. Look at this man. You ever think the way God treats you in your life and the things He doesn't really tell you what He's doing feels a little weird, not what you planned, right? Abraham, 75 years old, waits 25 more years. Now, during that time, they're wandering around the Holy Land. There was a famine in the land and there was nothing to eat anywhere. So they had to go completely down into Egypt and be totally dependent upon them. And Abraham is really worried. It was a test of his faith. And he tells Sarah to lie about being his sister instead of his wife. And some of you know the story. But it was a saga of one thing after another. And God's not really telling Abraham much, just a little bit here and there. God comes to Abraham and he says, I'm your shield, your very great reward. And Abraham says, well, then how come we haven't had a child? And it feels like Eliezer, our lead servant, is going to be the next uh, one to be the heir of our family. And God says, no, you're going to have a son from your own seed, from your own body. Look at the stars in the sky, the sand of the seashore. Your descendants will be that many. And it says, Abraham, this is how he treated God. Abraham believed God. What did he have to go on? Just a promise. That was it. That's how he treated God. He trusted him. Well, you think, okay, God, you know, he took the time to appear to you. So we're going to have the sun pretty soon, right? No, time just kept crawling along until Sarah weakened in her faith says to Abraham you know he said that you were going to have a son but he didn't say i was so maybe you're supposed to have the son through our our servant Hagar and there they go and Hagar has a son she names him Ishmael this creates a terrible problem in the family and God comes into the scene and he says no 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 you're going to have a son together all of this stuff is happening Abraham's trying to serve God through all of this and the best that he knows how. And everything has the fingerprint of sin and trouble on it. And then God comes to Abraham and he says, this time next year, your wife, Sarah, and you together are going to have a son. (gasps) Finally. And they did. A year later, they had a son. And at his circumcision, Ishmael made fun of him and everybody else. And God said, now it's time to drive Ishmael and Hagar away. I don't want to drive away my son. Please bless Ishmael. I'll bless him. I'll take care of him. You have to trust that I'll do that because you're not going to have control to bless him yourself. You got to let go. And so Abraham learned again to trust the word of the Lord. And he let go of Ishmael. And God said, it's through Isaac that I'm going to count your offspring. He's the son of promise. He's the one through which you're going to have a great nation. There'll be as many as the stars in the sky. You see how God keeps repeating that promise? That's how God treated Abraham. He kept repeating promises to him. This man had an amazing relationship with God, and Abraham was learning to trust God's word. We don't know how long it was. It just says here, Genesis 22, sometime later. Isaac's big enough to carry firewood on his back. 10, 11, 12, 13, somewhere in that range. When we look at this story that's printed for us, we're going to see what God wants most out of every one of us. Here's what happens. Sometime later, God tested Abraham and he said to him, Abraham, just out of the blue, God speaking from the sky, Abraham, here I am. That's the first hint of that close relationship with God in this story. When God speaks his name, Abraham says, here I am. I am connected to you. You are calling. You're asking for my attention. I'm right here. You tell me exactly what you want. He had no idea what God was about to ask. Then God said, take your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love, and go to the region of Moriah. Sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains I will tell you about. What? There is no record in Scripture of God ever asking anyone before or after Abraham to sacrifice their own child. The sacrifice for a burnt offering there that you see in English throughout the Bible is really a a poignant technical term. It means to be a whole burnt offering as a sign of dedication. See, Abraham was known for his sacrifices. Everywhere he would camp, he'd set up a pile of rocks and says he'd sacrifice to the Lord. Take a goat or a sheep or a lamb. and He'd sacrifice and proclaim the name of God. A man is very unique, very dedicated. He gave up so much. Come on, God. I've given up everything and I have watched Ola's. I've given you Ola's. And you know what happens? You burn them and you burn them until they're just a little pile of ashes. And you want me to take my only son, the one I love? You've already had me drive away Ishmael. And now you want me to sacrifice him? Do you know what? There's no record that he had that kind of emotion and said any of that. That's what makes him so unique. What I just ranted about is very common. But you know what we read about Abraham? Early the next morning, Abraham got up and saddled his donkey. He got up early because he wasn't going to delay because God had asked him, and he's going to go do it. This is amazing. We know he was a thinking loving. He loved that son. We know it was painful. But he just gets up and he does it. He took with him two of his servants and his son Isaac. When he had cut enough wood for the burnt offering, he set out for the place God had told him about. Think of how painful every step of this whole thing was, to cut the wood that you know you'd burn your son on. You've done this many a times for animals. What's going through his head? And they set out. God says, it's a place I will show you. Does that sound familiar? That's the same way their relationship had started. This is kind of like the mantra of God. Go to the place I will show you. That was assurance for Abraham that this was the same God. I'm in charge. I have control. I want you to let go of everything, Abraham, and I want you to let me be God in your life. I want you to fear, love, and trust in God above all things. And Abraham says, I'm going. You know, before I go on, I want to just comment. Abraham did not understand much about what God was doing in this story. Just like you don't understand much of what God is doing in your life. It is a common denominator for all of us. We really don't know what God is up to as he writes our life story. The timing of things, the people that come into our lives, the struggles that he allows, we don't know. We're all kind of going, I don't understand. What are you up to, God? Right? That's what Abraham is doing. On the third day, Abraham looked up and he saw the place in the distance and he said to his servants, now get this, listen very carefully. Stay here with the donkey. While I and the boy go over there, we will worship and then we will come back to you. Was he lying? In the book of Hebrews in the New Testament, there's this hall of faith where Abraham is mentioned several times. It says that Abraham reasoned in his heart, that if he had to kill Isaac, that God would raise him from the dead because he was the son of the promise, the offspring through whom his descendants would be reckoned. When Abraham says, we will come back to you, Abraham is thinking, I don't understand why this is all so important to you, God. But I know you've asked me to do it. And I believe this is the son of the promise that I'll have offspring through. And so I believe you'll raise him from the dead. So when he tells the servants, we'll come back, he believes somehow out of the ashes, God would resurrect his son. That's a unique trust. Abraham took the wood for the burnt offering and he placed it on his son Isaac. Huh? You might consider that Abraham is over one hundred and ten years old if Isaac's ten. So Abraham took the wood and placed it on his son Isaac and he himself carried the fire and the knife as the two of them went on together Isaac spoke up and said to his father, Abraham, Father, yes, Abraham said, the fire and the wood are here. Isaac said, But where's the lamb for the burnt offering? Which keeps Abraham from living in denial and trying to avoid the intensity of the moment. What's he thinking? What am I going to do, right? You can just kind of feel the heart rate jump. What am I going to do? 35 years of a relationship with God, 35 years of God treating Abraham in this weird, crazy way. How can a 10-year-old boy take it all in? The whole saga is way too big for Isaac. And parents, many times the things that you face when you got little ones in your house is way too big for them. You don't try to make their little minds carry the whole load of everything and understanding that's going on. And so Abraham, very wisely, very lovingly, he's light on details and heavy on faith. And if you can remember that, parents and grandparents, when you're treating little children, Light on details, heavy on faith. Here's what Abraham says. God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. And the two of them went on together. It was enough for Isaac because his dad had spoken. He could tell when dad was saying, I don't know. God knows we're going to trust now. This is a faith moment. We're going to trust God. God. I don't often do this because I don't want you to think that every time you read an English verse in the Bible, it's all about what's in the original because most often the translation does a really good job. But there's something here in what Abraham says that this translation, the NIV, doesn't really capture. And It's real easy to see if I'll show it to you. It's in verse 8. This translation says God himself will provide the lamb. In other translations like the English Standard Version, it, it translates it correctly. It goes like this. God will provide for himself. A lamb. You see, if you make it the reflexive, God himself will provide a lamb. That's a little different idea, isn't it? Then God will provide for himself a lamb. What's Abraham thinking? This is deep faith. This is what makes this guy so amazing. He gets something that so many people don't get. If God's asking Abraham to sacrifice Isaac, God is sacrificing Isaac. God has chosen a lamb. God's been setting up this day for so long that this family would have this child, right? 25 years they waited, and from eternity, God plans all things, right? Abraham realizes he's part of this huge parade, and that God had called this child a child of promise, chose Isaac. This will be the one through, I'll make a great nation. This is God's parade. It's God's thing. God is actually about to sacrifice everything that he's been planning. God's providing for himself a lamb. Abraham gets it that God loves Isaac as much as Abe does. God will provide for himself a lamb. And so they get to the place where God tells them to stop. Verse 9, when they reach the place, God had told them about Abraham built an altar there and he arranged the wood on it. He found the rocks in the area and he piled them up, starting to take shape for Isaac. Can you imagine between father and son, the kind of trust that had to happen when he says he turned And he bound his son Isaac and laid him on top of the altar. There is no record that this young boy whine or complain or even question. Because Isaac is learning to trust Abraham the way that Abraham is learning to trust God. And Isaac is learning to trust God because Abraham told him God will provide the lamb. And so there he is, trusting father, trusting son, doing a unique, amazing thing. It's never been asked of anyone else in the whole world to ever do before or after that. And this father, can you imagine? He picks up the knife and with the sweat of tension and of dedication, and in the late morning sun, the, the, the light shining on the knife, he raises it up. And for Abraham, his son is as good as gone. Everything inside of him is ready to thrust the knife. And then he hears that same voice that he heard at the beginning. Abraham, Abraham, the Lord called from heaven. Verse 11. Here I am. He doesn't know what's coming next. If God says, thrust the knife, Abraham, trust me. He's going to do it, right? Here I am, though, the same attitude of faith at the crux of the moment. I'm right here. Here I am. He replied. And the voice, do not lay a hand on the boy. Oh, oh, you had to let go of that knife, right? Don't lay a hand on the boy. Do not do anything to him. Now I know that you fear God because you have not withheld from me your son, your only son. And now, my friends, we understand the secret of what God is looking for in every human being. This amazing story that finds its greatest climax here where he tells him to sacrifice his son and stops him. And God says, now I know that you fear me more than anything else that you fear me. What does God want from you? What does he want from me? He wants us to tremble at his word. He wants us to fear him. This is not a phobia. What kind of fear is this? Solomon, the wisest man in the Old Testament, said the beginning of wisdom is to fear the Lord. This is what Luther called when he described the first commandment to believe in God above all things. We should fear, love and trust in God above all things. Abraham was to fear God above everything, not his wife facing her when he got back home, not the neighbors, not an arrest, nothing. He feared God and he also trusted God. If God spoke in his word. It would happen, even if they were past the childbearing years, even if it was to kill this son of promise, he would trust him. And he would love God more than he loved his idea of family, his idea of a career, his idea of a legacy that he would leave behind him. He gave it all up when he learned to go step by step, day after day, let God call the shots. He was learning always to give all that up. You call the shots, God. I'll follow you. I'll fear and love and trust you. And God said, let's take it to the end. Let's make a story that we can talk about for years that preachers can hold up. Let's make it go all the way to the end. Let's take you right to the end and say, sacrifice your own son. And and Abraham says, yes, I'm going to do it. And God says, that's what I want. I know you fear me more than anything else in the world. You trust me, you love me, is what he means. Wow. How could he do it? Well, there's a hint in two places in the next few verses. Abraham looked up, and there in the thicket he saw a ram caught by its horns. He went over, and he took the ram, and he sacrificed it as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called that place, just what he told the son, the Lord will provide. And to this day, the day of Moses, 700 years later, it is said, on the mountain of the Lord it will be provided. That was written while they were wandering in the wilderness. The angel of the Lord called to Abraham from heaven a second time and said, I swear by myself, declares the Lord, that because you have done this and have not withheld your son, your only son, I will surely bless you and make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as the sand of the seashore. Sound familiar? And then he says, your descendants will take possession of their cities, of their enemies. And here it is, through your offspring, verse 18, all the nations on earth will be blessed because you obeyed me. Then Abraham returned to his servants, just the way he had said, we will come back to you. And they set off together for Beersheba. Okay, two ways we know that Abraham learned how to do this. First, I will bless all nations through your offspring. That was the great Messiah promise. Abraham was taught that he was part of this huge plan that God was doing, not for Abraham, not Abraham's legacy, but God's legacy to bless the whole planet. Abraham knew that this was part of this huge plan and that God was driving it. And so he would do it. He believed God would raise him from the dead because he had faith in the promises. He was given promises, right? So how can you live a life that dedicated to God yourself? By trusting that your life is part of this huge plan and you trust the promises that God gives regarding your life. God says, I want everything in your life To be dedicated to serving me. I want it all to be this thing in your life that you give back to me and you say, it's your show, it's your party, I'm going to do it. Because you trust my promise that I set the exact time and place that you would live, Acts 17, that you would look for me and find me. And that I have Ephesians 2.10, I've prepared your life in advance for good works for you to do. And you are my poem and you trust. The second place is in verse 14. On the mountain of the Lord, he says, it will be provided. That became a saying. On the mountain of the Lord, it is provided. Later, do you know what they called the hills where Jerusalem was built and then later the temple in that city? They called that the mountain of the Lord. It's in the Psalms and it's in Isaiah. And on this mountain range, it will be provided. And Jews would come there and they'd say, God is providing us his love, his forgiveness, his ways, his direction. And then came Jesus to the same mountain range where Abraham was asked to sacrifice his own son, and on a hill not far from the hill where the temple is, in the same little range, the eternal God, who was undoubtedly thinking about this the day Abraham raised the knife, he sacrificed his son. There was Jesus laying, laying on the rock, sacrificed for us. As God provided to reconcile Abraham and you and me back to himself, And here I'm closing with a question. What is it that you haven't laid on the altar yet? Let it go. Put it on the altar. God put it all there for us. Amen. You search me